This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Mostly sunny today, high near 73. Mostly cloudy tonight, low around 51. Saturday, mostly cloudy, chance of showers in the afternoon. Sunday, mostly cloudy with showers, high near 63. Some of downtown Binghamton's old drab looking trash receptacles are being replaced by blue custom made cans that at first glance look similar to mailboxes. City Public Works crews have installed nine of the new units in recent days. The receptacles were purchased from the Secure Custom Trash Cans of Southern California. The company's website indicates each 36-gallon can cost about $767. The first reviews from some people walking and working downtown were positive, although several remarked that the new cans resemble mailboxes. While the new trash cans have been rolled out in a few Binghamton streets, there apparently are no plans to place any in the two city-owned parking garages. Trash receptacles were removed from those facilities in 2019. That was done in an attempt to deter the amount of trash they were collecting, according to a memo directed to parking garage employees. The New York State Attorney General's Office has sent a cease and desist letter to a group accused of confronting voters at their homes while claiming to be state election officials and falsely accusing people of committing voter fraud. The Thursday letter orders the group New York Citizens Adult Audit to immediately stop any voter intimidation and turn over records on training of and communications with its door-to-door canvassers. New York Citizens Audit Executive Director Marley Hornick did not immediately return an email seeking comment. She has previously said the group has acted within the bounds of the law. A charter bus carrying high school students to a band camp careened off a New York highway and tumbled down an embankment on Thursday, killing two adults and seriously injuring several others. Governor Kathy Hochul said a front tire failure could have contributed to the early afternoon accident on Interstate 84, about 45 miles northwest of New York City. Five of the 44 passengers on board were critically injured, according to the state police. 
Dick's Sporting Goods is preparing for what might be called the Vesto Parkway Shuffle, just weeks after the company opened a massive store in Johnson City. The company, which was founded in Binghamton 75 years ago, closed a location it had at Town Square Mall in Vesto on August 8th. That store had operated at the site for more than three decades. The Vestal unit was shut down in the eve of the opening of the House of Sports Store at Oakdale Commons in Johnson City. Shortly after that, the company's warehouse sale store in the Parkway Plaza in Vestal closed its doors. A Town Square Mall leasing representative told WNBF News that Dick's Sporting Goods still had a few years remaining on its lease in that shopping complex. Company officials would not discuss what their plans were for the space. But workers have continued to be busy at the site in recent weeks, leading to speculation that another retail operation would be opening soon. The Dick Sporting Goods website now features a grand opening banner for the Town Square Mall location. An online entry indicates it will be a warehouse sale unit that is scheduled to open next Wednesday. Police say the owners of a New York City daycare center where a toddler died and three others were sickened by opioid exposure last week were hiding bags of fentanyl concealed by plywood and tile flooring. Photos shared by investigators show bags full of powder a few steps away from a shelf of children's toys. Police have arrested the daycare center's operator and a tenant who lived in the apartment saying they operated a drug ring. Authorities are searching for a third suspect who was married to the daycare center's operator. And about a half million people are regaining Medicaid coverage after the federal government says they were dropped inappropriately by states. Officials at the Federal Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services say the issue affected people in 29 states and the District of Columbia. All states are undertaking a massive review of Medicaid eligibility after they were prohibited from ending coverage for people during the coronavirus pandemic. Federal rules require states to assess whether each individual in a household is eligible because children have higher eligibility thresholds than adults. But federal, federal officials say computer systems in some states evaluated entire households, not individuals. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. Joseph, this is Binghamton Now for Friday, September 22nd, 2023. Warning, we'll be taking your phone calls today at 607-772-1290. Are you ready to rumble from a baseball standpoint? I think so. Looking forward to playoff baseball on Sunday over at the field. Joseph Field over <laughs> on Henry Street. Yeah, they're going to rename it Joseph Field. Rumble Ponies. Good win last night. 
against Somerset. You heard it, heard it live on WNBF. WNBF. What? W? I thought it was W. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning there, Bob. It's Dave from Vestal. And, and you're right. It was a big win. Only I couldn't listen to Mark Levin again. Boy, that drove me crazy, Bob. Yeah, gee, hey, I wonder what he was talking about with his... Uh, you, you missed you missed his Thursday night rant. Yeah. So, yeah, as opposed to hearing high-quality playoff baseball action, which... Great pitching. Great pitching right. last night, and, Bob. And which, great pitching. You know, so you missed... You miss the guy for one night. He'll be on for hundreds of additional nights between now and next April when the baseball season starts. So it's always interesting that people can't can't get over an occasional aberration. How often do we have Binghamton playoff baseball, and yet you're crying in your moxie? So, all right. Well, duly, duly noted. A listener complaint, and here we are. First call into the show, so I'm... Um, I'm excited. You know, Friday the first, as the WNBF complaint line is open. Jeez. You know, know, we do, I'm serious. We do and we do for you kids. Levin is on virtually every night of the year, virtually. There, There are a few nights, yes, during the summer, during the baseball season, where he may not be on. Or he may be on in a slightly abbreviated form. So you get something live that you can't find anywhere else. But you forget that the Binghamton Bearcats come into the picture too, Bob. Don't forget. Oh them. yeah, so there'll be more yeah, complaints. Yeah. You know, I, you know, at some point, no, laugh if you will. At some point, seriously, at some point, when these things are no longer available, there'll be people saying, "Gee, I wish we had some local sports programming of some type to to break up the monotony." But you know, it, eventually, you'll probably get your wish, and you'll be. Happy, but Bob, you know, before I get to my serious point, you know, I, 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 the past couple of days I've been laughing, Bob, because you know I, I want to congratulate you and Ron on your new clothing line, the big galoot you guys come out with. I think that's genius, Bob. <laughs> All right, well, I'm glad I'm glad you like something. What else? What else do you like, Dave from Vestal? Is there anything else that you like on the station? How about a, store, a chain store, Bob, called Big Galoots? That would be great. Hey, anyways, um, Bob, you know, I saw a stat today. It's kind of alarming to me. And yeah, I was watching it on Fox News. I know I'm going to hear it. But I, I was watching it, and they had a, a gentleman on there that has a trade school in Jersey. And, and, and how they came up with the stat, I don't know. But they said that 25% of our contractors, construction people, are 55 years and older, Bob. That's 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 a lot. And, you know, the, the main thing was that, you know, college isn't for everyone. These universities charge too much money. We need people to work with our hands. And they're right, we do. We need trade schools. Um, but 25%, Bob, that's 55 and older? That's uh, That's quite a stat, if true. That's right. And you said the magic words, if true. Right. So, um, 
in these universities, Bob, a lot of these universities, they, they charge way too much money for the kids. They, they got, a lot of them have billions of dollars stocked away, Bob, and they still got to charge an outrageous amount. Um, good, good for the kids. Go to trade school. We need people to work with their hands, Bob. We have to. We need it badly. A college isn't for everyone. Besides, you know what? It'll it'll keep some kids out of the grips of, of the Marxist teachers that churn out after this communist activists all throughout our country. So that'll help in that aspect too, right? No. <laughs> communist activists. Correct. Where? All over the country. Where? Tom. Name one, name one communist University. activist. Name a communist activist at Binghamton University. Bob, I can't. You want me to put names out over the air? I know you better than that. I'd, well, be, well no, I, I don't. That. I don't because, to the best of my knowledge, there are none. Okay. Communist activists. Yeah, to Correct. the best of my knowledge. Now, here's the thing. Even if there may be some communist activists at universities in the United States. So, most, most, and I have to stress, most of the people who are in positions of power at universities are far from communist activists. They're, they're capitalist activists. Have you paid attention? Have you paid attention to what most university administrators are doing in this country? I see no evidence that very many of them are anything but capitalist activists. In fact, as you pointed out, with the very high tuition cost at many universities, you would have to infer they're capitalists. They're in it for the money, baby. Capitalist activists. Eh, that's a new one, Bob. Well, and well, in, in most of the country. I don't care where you look, whether it's in our higher education sector, our uh, just business sector in general, nonprofits, so called nonprofits, or not so called not for profits. Interesting. People who run not for profits or nonprofit institutions, take a look at what they're getting paid. <laughs> but, Bob, that's true, Bob. Well, it is are true. You denying, are you, but are you denying that teachers throughout this country are not... What happened to the teachers? Hmm. I guess we lost them. Again, we live in a society, or we live in a country where reliable phone access is a privilege, not a right. So anyway, for anybody who here. Well, I lost you I'm for the here. last fifteen seconds. We we had nothing. No. No, I was no. No, you I, could I, hear I, me. I Wait, me. you so you just didn't say anything for fifteen seconds? Well, you were talking. No, I started talking after we lost you. You dropped out. You were saying something about teachers, and then we lost the connection, or at least lost your side. Again, again, I didn't hear what you said after a certain point, but you were uh, about to make some sort of, I think, generalization about teachers, and then we lost you. What what generalization did you did you make about teachers today? I, w I was asking you, Bob, are you denying that we have professors and teachers throughout the country that are brainwashing our children, our young people, 
on their worldview, sending them out into the streets with their remote control, with their little robots, sending them out in the streets. And a good example was 2020, the destruction, Bob. They were all products, well, not all, but most of them, they were young, Bob, and they were products of our educational institutions. That's a fact that can't be debated. You can try, but you won't win. Okay. Well, I appreciate your call. Okay. It's 920 at WNBF and WNBF.com. Our phone number is 607-772-1290. What do you think? Seriously, what do you think? Call in. Enlighten me. This could be the start of a new age of enlightenment. You'll hear it live on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM and streaming at WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. WNBF. Morning, this is Bob Joseph. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Well, top of the morning to you, Bob. This Likewise. Likewise. Uh, you got the band on? Is that the band music? <laughs> it's the Hank band. or something? Going back? Huh? <laughs> the, yeah, the band instead of Pink or uh, Taylor Swifty. Uh, yeah, you know, we occasionally will go to the back of the rack. That was from their album, Northern Lights, Southern Cross. Well, uh, they didn't, uh, they weren't bad. They weren't bad. No, they I, weren't bad. They, they managed to somehow eke out a living. Yeah. Uh, so I went to the Broome County Legislature meeting. Uh, I was the only, uh, whatever you want to call me, that was there. There were some DSS workers there with a sign fighting for pay equity, fighting to be paid as much as other counties pay their workers, trying to get a little relief in processing those important applications, food stamps and other government benefits that we pay for with our tax dollars. And they uh, qualify the people for, but uh, it's falling on deaf ears over there. Uh, but I was the only real member of the public that didn't work there, that had no vested interests. And uh, I asked a few questions and, uh, you know, more more freak outs. Uh, Sheriff Akshar called me an illegitimate person. Now, that is, that, that is according to Merriam-Webster, a bastard, a a person uh, that was born uh, out of
out of wedlock, if you will. I am not an illegitimate person, and I think that Sheriff Akshar, who gets increasingly angry when he's challenged at all, I mean, even a minor uh, question, and I just, all I asked him was uh, about the situation in Endicott. I asked him uh, about his, uh, what appears to be uninvited raid activity there for a couple of months, and uh, he, I said it's a legitimate question, and he said he agreed that it was an illegitimate question, but I was an illegitimate person. Now, that coupled with this nastiness on your program when talking about the mayor of Endicott, I think is uncalled for. And I think, you know, we all have uh, flaws, but let me tell you what Akshar's flaws are, in my opinion. Uh, he can't take any criticism whatsoever. Uh, he is uh, uh, got a very thin skin, and uh, a person in that high of a position shouldn't have it. Everything went his way in his life. That's the problem. He inherited the Libis machine and went into politics and got elected and reelected. And I don't think he's had any challenges in his life. And I don't think he realizes that he uh, represents all the people. But to call me an illegitimate person, I think uh, not only is insulting, but it's obviously untrue. I can produce my birth certificate. I have a birth certificate that is every bit as good as Barack Obama's. I will show it to anybody that wants to see it. So uh, please, I, I wish, I wish, and I think we can solve a lot of these matters and get back to some sort of civility here uh, by simple apologies. Now, uh, and there's very few, uh, there's very few pe people in public life in Binghamton that no matter what occurs on their watch, no matter how outlandish their prom promises are to begin with, when they don't get the results, they don't even apologize. And I think that's, that's not the sign of any kind of leadership whatsoever. Now, I did mention, Bob, I requested the ethics disclosure forms, all this this is at the county level, people have to disclose their finances like they do at the state level or in uh, the federal level. That's all this is. It's a form. The person fills it out, signs it, and it's on file with the county, and it's subject, it's subject to what we call the freedom of information law, any citizen. In fact, that's, that's probably the purpose of it. If, if, if the public official goes and signs an ethics form and says, these are my holdings and uh, these are the conflicts that I think I have. The reason for that form to be filed at all is for the public to say, well, what's this person's conflicts? Uh, and it's disclosed publicly. Now, I requested it, and of course that form was in their little bin mailbox there. And they, one of the legislators, uh, Steve, uh, Stephen Flagg, who the last time I saw him was very amenable, uh, this time he came out of the room with the form. I was sitting in a chair and he came up to me and he, he got all upset. He says, you want to know my salary? Well, I don't want to know anything. All I wanted to do was see the forms that he filled out. So we, we've got, uh, and by the way, Bob, it was a nine minute meeting yesterday, nine minutes from top to bottom, they went into an executive session, and the executive session, uh, all the legislators went in there with the sheriff and two of his, the under sheriff and a deputy, and uh, it was 
not clarified too clearly because it was originally referred to as a personnel matter, then it was referred to as a legal matter, and then it was referred to as a matter uh, with the county jail. So something, some legal matter regarding the county jail uh, is uh, caught, it has a problem, and Akshar was there uh, with his deputies to attend that executive session. So that's the report that the legislators, in case people don't know, they get about a thousand dollars a meeting, and uh, they get uh, a pension and a benefit, and their pension, just as a part-time legislator for 10 or 20 or 30 years, is probably more than a lot of the industrial companies, uh, Endicott Johnson for one, uh, paid. So uh, I'm fighting the hard fight. I was there. I was a reporter on the scene. I streamed it, what what it was, live. And uh, I think I should be given credit, and I think Fred Akshar owes not only me, but Linda Jackson an apology. All right. And I don't know for certain if Sheriff Akshar could be listening now. I know he's very busy and probably most mornings he has no time to listen. But I wouldn't be surprised that some mornings when he's perhaps doing um, paperwork or catching up on emails or whatever. He may be listening, or at least somebody, I'm sure somebody in his office is probably also uh, monitoring our... Uh, yeah. our, yeah, our the guy uh, that does that yeah. for sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a year, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously, uh, he's welcome to call in. I And again, as I mentioned earlier this week, I was, I was appreciative to Sheriff Akshar for... Uh, calling in as quickly as he did to uh, respond to the live interview we had with Linda Jackson on Tuesday morning. So we're we're always open. I mean, it's uh, the phone lines are open. And for uh, elected officials, I can't stress this too often, for elected officials, duly elected officials of New York State, local, state, or federal officials, our door our studio door is figuratively open. So if you, again, you could be a local official, a county official, state assembly member, state senator, a governor, a lieutenant governor, the attorney general, our door is open figuratively to you. you. You probably you probably need to um, give us the courtesy of a heads up. You know, send me an email, bob at wnbf.com. Uh, say, hi, Bob, this is Kathy. Um, I know the last time I was in your neighborhood, in Mr. Joseph's neighborhood, instead of going into your delightful radio studio and taking a few calls from listeners, I went to the cannabis shop instead for a photo opportunity to encourage people to buy weed. And I realized that was probably not the best choice. I could have also stopped into the studio and done the photo op. So what I've decided to do is since I'm going to be in Binghamton this afternoon, or no, Binghamton, I will be in Binghamton later this morning. Would you mind if I stopped in from 11 to noon to take a few 
questions from you and also a few phone calls from my constituents in the southern tier. So that's all she has to do. Kathy. With a K. Not a C. Or think about it. Just last week at this very time. At this very moment, at 9.34 a.m. last Friday, the state controller, Thomas DiNapoli, was right here in this studio answering a few questions. And he didn't, he didn't say, oh, Bob, ask me only about this, this, and that, and whatever you do, don't ask me about the other thing. So that's, that's the approach that Thomas DiNapoli takes as an elected official. And in the interest of full disclosure, he did have um, one of his people, a staffer, was here in the studio, but he kept a low profile. He didn't say, oh, you know what, Bob, you know, in the interest of whatever, could you please not ask Mr. DiNapoli about this or that? We just want to focus on good things, positive things. Because that's why we're here. We wouldn't come here if you were going to ask us anything that could possibly be construed as a negative. So you give Mr. DiNapoli a lot of credit for that. I don't think I don't think we would have that approach, say, from the governor, lieutenant governor, or the attorney general. We certainly wouldn't have it from our U.S. senators. Well, Senator Schumer has agreed to visit the studio for the first time ever, Bob. Uh, what will you ask him? Who do you think I am? CNN? I'm going to give you the questions? Well, the senator just wants to be prepared. Well, he's the Senate Majority Leader. He's represented New York for a long time. He's more than prepared. Well, but he, he likes to know the questions in advance. Well, I'm... Sure he would. But that's not how we operate. We're not CNN. We're not Fox. And we're definitely not MSNBC. It's 936. Bob Joseph, always with a few questions, always willing to ask a few things from a few people to get a bit of information because the listeners, the constituents deserve to know. And you get it right here, Monday through Friday on WNBF. News Radio 1290, When I think of all the worries people seem to find And how they're in a hurry to complicate their minds by chasing after money and dreams that can't come true I'm glad that we are different, we've better things to do May others plan their future, I'm busy loving you YOLO, WNBF at 9.40 The station that still cares about you we haven't outsourced it. <laughs> we haven't shut down our physical presence. We still have a physical presence with actual people. We're using NI, natural intelligence, which, of course, 
isn't nearly as flawless as AI, but still, it's kind of a throwback to a bygone era when natural intelligence was embraced by America. 607-772-1290 is the number. Patchy fog around the region until 10 o'clock. So according to the National Weather Service, patchy fog will persist for another 18 and a half minutes. Otherwise, mostly sunny today, 73. Mainly cloudy tonight, 51. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with a chance of showers in the afternoon, 63. And mostly cloudy Sunday. Showers likely high, 63. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 49. That's 9 Celsius. Air quality, delightful. AQI, air quality index, 23. Breathe in. The wonderfully clean air of Parlor City. As this weather outlook from the National Weather Service, a coastal system will move into the region over the weekend with periods of rain tomorrow through Sunday night. Isolated flash flooding may be possible, especially in urban and poor drainage areas. Things will get more soggy as you head south and east. So if you're going to head east this weekend, um, be prepared. New York City area could receive one to three inches of rain, according to veteran meteorologist Craig Allen from 880 News. Again, right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 49. WNBF.com filled with good local stories. I like the story about the uh, new mailboxes. That they put in downtown. They're beautiful. They put in new, where they look like mailboxes. The nine of these things, they look, to me, at first glance, I'm driving downtown Thursday morning saying, oh, the Postal Service has decided to start actually stepping up their game instead of reducing service and yanking out mailboxes convenient mailboxes left and right. They're actually putting in a bunch of new mailboxes on Court Street and State Street and Holly Street. And then upon further examination, it turns out they're not mailboxes. They're the new custom-designed trash receptacles. And they look great. They look great. I put in a call to Mayor Cram. Haven't heard back. Let me just double check. I also sent an email. Let's see if uh, we've received anything from City Hall about the new trash cans. No. no. Here's So I put in a call after I saw these things. Again, it's not, of course, it's not the biggest story. It's just, um, I don't know, it's nice. Nice to see something bright and cheerful now in downtown Binghamton. So I put in uh, a call to City Hall up to the fourth floor. And then I followed up with an email about the custom trash cans, and I don't, I don't believe we've heard back from City Hall, so I don't know. I put together a story. I decided to write the story just because people were probably saying, oh, look, 
these new things that say downtown Binghamton, and they're brightening up Center City. But no answers, no details, just just a story with the available information. Now, some of the people, in fact, a bunch of people I spoke with said, like a, a store clerk, I said, what's, uh, what's the deal with that, that thing there on the corner? And she said, well, I guess it's a new mailbox. Well, she guessed wrong. It's actually a custom-designed trash can. And, again, they look great. But as far as any official information, um, nothing. But I did put up a story. Such a nice day yesterday. I couldn't help but wander around downtown, around Mr. Joseph's neighborhood to see what's going on. There's always stuff going on around here. I got to say... Downtown Binghamton is looking very nice at the moment. So here we are, late summer, final Friday of summer. And I think, it's from the pictures I took yesterday, and you can see these pictures at WNBF.com, I think downtown Binghamton is looking nice, really nice. So again, as far as those the, the blue receptacles. Again, don't be confused. I know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know if you look at them closely, they're definitely not mailboxes, but they have sort of the curved top. So say somebody, if somebody's in a hurry and they're like, oh, I know, I'm going to mail my insurance payments and my uh, NYSEG bill and my cable bill. I'm going to uh, mail them quickly oh look a new mailbox and then they put them in the thing it turns out well they're going to shut off your cable they'll shut off your electricity your natural gas and you'll probably be evicted and they'll no again so just be careful again the postal service don't don't ever think the postal service is gonna be putting in new mailboxes no just the opposite the postal service if anything will work to take out the few remaining mail collection boxes that still exist. They, uh, they've they removed thousands over the last few years. If anything, they'll take away all, all the mailboxes. I get the sense that the people who run the Postal Service don't really like the business they're in. It's like a lot of people running businesses today. They're in charge. They're the president or CEO they really don't like the business. They're like, well, let's see how we can take this in for a soft landing. We're eventually going to shut it down, so let's see if we can dismantle a once-proud operation while making as much money for ourselves as we can. Sometimes that's, I think that's the modern way of doing business in the U.S. It's 948. Bob Joseph Live, WNBF. 30. News Radio 1290 WNBF. What? Me worry? <laughs> 9.51. Or for you traditionalists. It's nine before the hour at your quiet island. (laughs) 
What? What is the quiet island? I thought everybody got kicked off the quiet island. 9.52 as time marches on. Let's see what else is going on. Oh, we don't mention it very often, but uh, the Twitter feed is still up and running. And thousands, literally, <laughs> thousands of people do uh, follow the Twitter feed, whether they actually pay attention to the original content. That's a whole different story. But if... Um, if you don't follow the program on Twitter, at Binghamton Now, by all means, by all means, follow. Uh, today, for example, and I think this was kind of nice. Um, I went to one of the nicest spots in the village of Endicott. Listen, you can almost hear the birds chirping and the squirrels enjoying a couple of nuts. Yeah, this uh, over at the Round Top Park uh, just a little over an hour ago. And I thought, well, you know, it's been kind of a busy week. Let's do a two-minute, 11-second tour of Round Top Park at the Scenic Overlook. Of course, today it's all socked in because of the fog. But it's still fascinating. I mean, the place is overrun with squirrels and, of course, the wildlife. Other than that, though, I was the only person. I was the only person at the scenic overlook. And then walking down the trail to, according to the sign, it's a trail that leads to Rippin Park. And so... I spotted the sign pointing to the trail that leads to Rippin Park. I thought, let's take that trail less traveled. And so then I, after two minutes and 11 seconds, I thought, I'm about to run out of film. So I turned off the camera and then uploaded it to Twitter. So you can see that. At Binghamton Now on Twitter. It says, summer's almost over. Take a moment to relax at Round Top Park in Endicott. like the Wild Kingdom, Mutual of Binghamton. <laughs> no, I didn't sweeten it up. I didn't add sound effects. It's me actually walking and was hoping, hoping to see a giant black bear, but or at a minimum, at least a golden bear, but they were on the other side of the river. They were over in... Uh, Vestal on the other side of the river. Anyway, see for yourself. It's actually quite relaxing up at Round Top. <laughs> Bear Patrol. There were no bears to be seen. Coming up today on WNBF from noon to 3, Dan Bongino, 3 to 6, Sean Hannity, 6 to 9, three big live hours of Mark Levin the constitutional expert. So if you're craving three big, juicy hours of Levin, you'll get them tonight here on WNBF. Never fear, Levin is here. Oh, and by the way, over the weekend, it's Bill Flynn. Of course, a lot of great music on Saturdays with Bill Flynn here at WNBF News Radio. 
And then, of course, Polka Power on Sunday mornings with Bill Flynn and Kevin Bixby. It's all for you. A Bob Joseph Live, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. Mostly sunny today, high near 73. Mostly cloudy tonight, low around 51. Saturday, mostly cloudy, chance of showers in the afternoon. Sunday, mostly cloudy with showers, high near 63. Some of downtown Binghamton's old, drab-looking trash receptacles are being replaced by blue custom-made cans that at first glance look similar to mailboxes. City Public Works crews have installed nine of the new units in recent days. The receptacles were purchased from the Secure Custom Trash Cans of Southern California. The company's website indicates each 36-gallon can cost about $767. The first reviews from some people walking and working downtown were positive, although several remarked that the new cans resemble mailboxes. While the new trash cans have been rolled out in a few Binghamton streets, there apparently are no plans to place any in the two city-owned parking garages. Trash receptacles were removed from those facilities in 2019. That was done in an attempt to deter the amount of trash they were collecting, according to a memo directed to parking garage employees. The New York State Attorney General's Office has sent a cease and desist letter to a group accused of confronting voters at their homes while claiming to be state election officials and falsely accusing people of committing voter fraud. The Thursday letter orders the group New York Citizens Adult Audit to immediately stop any voter intimidation and turn over records on training of and communications with its door-to-door canvassers. New York Citizens Audit Executive Director Marley Hornick did not immediately return an email seeking comment. She has previously said the group has acted within the bounds of the law. A charter bus carrying high school students to a band camp careened off a New York highway and tumbled down an embankment on Thursday, killing two adults and seriously injuring several others. Governor Kathy Hoko said a front tire failure could have contributed to the early afternoon accident on Interstate 84, about 45 miles northwest of New York City. Five of the 44 passengers on board were critically injured, according to the state police. Dick's Sporting Goods is preparing for what might be called the Vestal Parkway Shuffle, just weeks after the company opened a massive store in Johnson City. The company, which was founded in Binghamton 75 years ago, closed a location it had at Town Square Mall in Vestal on August 8th. That store had operated at the site for more than three decades. The Vestal unit was shut down in the eve of the opening of the House of Sports Store at Oakdale Commons in Johnson City. Shortly after that, the company's warehouse sale store in the Parkway Plaza in Vestal closed its doors. A Town Square Mall leasing representative told WNBF News that Dick's Sporting Goods still had a few years remaining on its lease in that shopping complex. Company officials would not discuss what their plans were for the space, but workers have continued to be busy at the site in recent weeks, leading to speculation that another retail operation would be opening soon. 
The Dick's Sporting Goods website now features a grand opening banner for the Town Square Mall location. An online entry indicates it will be a warehouse sale unit that is scheduled to open next Wednesday. Police say the owners of a New York City daycare center where a toddler died and three others were sickened by opioid exposure last week were hiding bags of fentanyl concealed by plywood and tile flooring. Photos shared by investigators show bags full of powder a few steps away from the shelf of children's toys. Police have arrested the daycare center's operator and a tenant who lived in the apartment saying they operated a drug ring. Authorities are searching for a third suspect who was married to the daycare center's operator. And about a half million people are regaining Medicaid coverage after the federal government says they were dropped inappropriately by states. Officials at the Federal Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services say the issue affected people in 29 states and the District of Columbia. All states are undertaking a massive review of Medicaid eligibility after they were prohibited from ending coverage for people during the coronavirus pandemic. Federal rules require states to assess whether each individual in a household is eligible because children have higher eligibility thresholds than adults. But federal, federal officials say computer systems in some states evaluated entire households, not individuals. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. Morning, Bob Joseph. It's Friday, last Friday of summer. WNBF. And coming up in a few minutes, we'll have an opportunity for you to call in and discuss the issues that you believe are most important today. So if you have important issues to discuss or if you just want to talk about the final Friday of summer, you're welcome to call in. I'll let you know when. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm here to fill you in on some of the stuff. Some of the stuff that... Uh, we really um, like to talk about because we're here in Binghamton. Actual people. We don't just phone it in. We don't. We could. The technology exists for us to phone it in. But, you know, my theory is why phone it in when you can do it in person and do a much better job and actually work to serve people? 
The Rural Health Network of South Central New York is celebrating its 25th anniversary, and that means there will be a very special event coming up in just a few weeks. Joining us now to talk about that is Cindy Martin, Director of Resource Development for the Rural Health Network. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I am well. Congratulations on the 25th anniversary of the Rural Health Network of South Central New York. Thank you. We're kind of excited about it. It it represents 25 years of services to the community with a focus on our mission of advancing the health and well-being of rural people and communities. Well, tell me a bit about the uh, the celebration. I know that's coming up on October 16th, and people have an opportunity to obtain tickets. Uh, tickets will be uh, available in advance of, of the event. Give me a, a sense of what the uh, celebration program will be like. Well, the first part of the program is basically a, an opportunity to network with other attendees, enjoy some hors d'oeuvres, uh, the Double Trees Smashed Potato Bar, uh, there will be a cash bar, and then auction baskets to peruse and optional option uh, auction tickets as well. Then we'll serve dessert. We have a keynote speaker scheduled, and we're going to be recognizing the founding board members that are still active in our community 25 years later. So, you know, a lot has happened over the last quarter century, and, and certainly the uh, the challenges facing the rural areas of, of the southern tier and, and Broome County, surrounding counties, the challenges in some cases are, the, are similar, but some challenges are, are new, things that didn't exist when the Rural Health Network began. Correct. Um, it's actually kind of interesting to look at. Now, I, I wasn't involved in the organization 25 years ago, but in looking at the articles of incorporation and the topics that they felt were important to rural health at the time, in many ways are still important. Um, issues like transportation and food security. Um, other things have, have changed wording and the way we think about it, not necessarily that it didn't exist then, but now we really recognize the issues of, for example, even social isolation and its impact on older people. And particularly if you live in a rural community and don't have as much opportunity for socializing with neighbors um, or at community events, that can really impact your self-worth. And so one of the programs we do is with older adults in Northern Broome County, specifically working on advancing their health, helping them connect, providing social opportunities, um, sort of supplements to what's already offered by the Senior Center in, in Whitney Point. If people want more information about the 25th anniversary celebration or if they'd like to uh, reserve tickets, what can they do? Visit our website, rhnscny.org. The homepage has uh, a header right there with more information about the event and how to purchase tickets online. If by chance somebody isn't able to do an online purchase, they could contact our office and arrange to pay by check. All right. What's the office number? 607 692 
1-800-273-7669. Cindy Martin, Director of Resource Development for Rural Health Network of South Central New York. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you have a good weekend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's 1015. I'm Bob Joseph, live at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Always available on the convenient WNBF app and certainly streaming at WNBF.com. Would you like to talk now? You may. 607-772-1290. Binghamton now on WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. 30. I'm Bob Joseph at 1019. Let's go back to the phones. Patrick in the town of Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Uh, nice talking to you. I haven't spoke to you in a while. But uh, I'm very, very concerned with the literal political machine created by the sheriff and this Paul Battisti. I mean, these guys are absolutely supposed to be Excuse me, I'm not that well this morning. I'm 81 years old, by the way, and I've been around politically for a long time. These people are supposed to be apolitical. They're not supposed to be a political machine. And that sort of even goes for the police in general. I mean, these guys are just too into politics anymore. So what do you think when you see police chiefs or police unions and um, people very much involved in law enforcement announcing endorsements for a particular candidate. That's the problem. That's exactly the problem. You know, I myself, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 81 years old. I've been in politics all my life. I ran for Congress in 2002 in Florida. I, I did not get elected, but I really wanted to have a voice. And, uh, you know, so, um, I'm seeing this even nationally. I mean, you know, our military and our police, they really are on one side of the politics and they're not supposed to be. And it's a, it's a real problem. And, you know, I, I'm hoping your listeners understand this and, you know, will vote accordingly because, uh, you know, in every place that this Paul Batisti goes, he's with the sheriff. I mean, there's guys or buddies hanging out together. It's not right. Absolutely not right. And, uh, you know, I'm even, I'm even questioning the TST, you know, whether he really even is much of a lawyer. I, I, I don't see that. I think his, his interest is this stuff, which is uh, not right. What do you think about it, Bob? Well, I leave it up to the listeners. I know I have interviewed both candidates a few times and I hope to interview uh, each candidate at least a couple more times between now and November 7th we'll say one disappointment is that Paul Battisti will not come on the program with his opponent Matthew Ryan to talk about the issues I've asked him um, to do it on the air and off the air and he's politely declined uh, similar to what 
happened before the June primary against Michael Korchak. And my thought is that candidates for an office as important as the Broome County District Attorney ought to be willing to participate in a live public forum. And he's indicated he'd be willing to participate in a debate, apparently a more formal type debate, similar to what has uh, been done previously by WSKG Public Media. But I don't think that just doing one debate in a more formal setting or a more traditional format means that you can't also have um, a conversational approach with your opponent and also with the host of this program. I, I view this, and maybe I'm going a step too far, but I, I think I represent the people. I represent prospective voters who will make an important decision on November 7th or maybe before that if they vote early. So I think I'm in a position to facilitate a, a really good, helpful, and appropriate discussion with the two candidates. And I would hope that Mr. Battisti will reconsider and actually come in here and have a conversation. Again, you know, some people have said, well, it's not really a debate. Well, I'm not saying it's really a debate. It's a discussion of issues. Now, promoting a segment like that, I might say, well, we're going to have a, a debate, but it's not a traditional debate. I'm not going to stand here with a, a stopwatch and say, okay, your two minutes, your 90 seconds are up, and then go back and forth. I, I, I mean, that's not the way things are done in court. The, ju the, ju the judge doesn't say, you know, okay, um, the prosecution, uh, you have two minutes for your opening argument. And then uh, the defense, two minutes for your, uh, your argument. And then uh, 60 seconds for the prosecution to respond and so forth. Now, in court, yes, there are certain guidelines and rules. Ultimately, the judge is in charge. And so you have to be willing and comfortable to um, think in, in real time because you don't know for sure what will happen in court. Of course, all good lawyers or great attorneys have a pretty good idea what to expect. They do their research. They do their homework. And they say most attorneys, when they ask a question during a trial, pretty much know what the answer is going to be or what the expected response will be. Occasionally there are surprises, but um, I just think for the district attorney's office, which comes up in an election every four years in Broome County, I think it's uh, reasonable to have both candidates, the Republican and Democratic candidate, in the studio and, and have a conversation. I, I agree with you 100%, Bob, and it's even just great practice if there was finally some formal debate. But I think the case with Battisti, I, I think he's afraid of some of the questions that he might be answered, asked, you know what I mean? For instance, why in the world did the man ever get into the um, cab business? He, he had limousines and, you know what I mean? I'd like to ask him that. Aren't you an attorney, a $300 an hour attorney? And what, what in the world made you decide you were 
going to get into that business. I, I, I'm not sure, um, you know, where he is. And, uh, you know, in this, the, the district attorney's job, that's a very high paying job, you know, and I'm, I'm worried that that's kind of what, uh, he, he might be looking at. So I agree with you. He should come on your show and he should let, uh, Matt Ryan ask him questions and he should ask Matt Ryan. Yeah, I think, you know, they, you know, they're, they're both attorneys Yes, they have different worldviews, but what I'm convinced, at least in the long run, if if they hope to be the district attorney starting January 1st, 2024, I think that they'll want to prove that they're capable of doing the best job for the people of Broome County. And one of the ways yep. to do that would be to spend 50 minutes here in the studio and, and having a chat. Doesn't Doesn't seem that unusual to to expect that to happen it's not it's absolutely not and you know i know matt ryan i mean i, I was around when he was a mayor and everything he took the job because he cares about people and that's really the most important thing for the da job we have to have the person who's taking the job because he's interested in trying to help the people not looking for a paycheck so um, so I, I totally agree. I, you know, I guess I'm with you. I hope that Mr. Batiste will finally work up the courage to come on there and, and dare to speak and, uh, and, and take field these questions. People want to know, um, you know, and the second question was, why the heck are you so close to the sheriff? What's that all about? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I am the eternal optimist. I won't give up. 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph doing the business of the people every weekday morning from 9 to noon. I'm not running for anything. Just asking a few questions. Trying to pose some of the questions you might ask. 607-772-1290. Seems reasonable, and that's what we try to do here at WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF Binghamton. 607-772-1290 is the Bob Joseph hotline. If you wish to speak with the host, you may call now. Tim in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Well, I saw your um, article, the article on WNBF yesterday about these garbage cans that they're installing that look like mailboxes. Um, yeah, what do you think of that? Not in this city. I love this city so much. Binghamton through and through. Love this town. Who is the idiot that made that choice? That's ridiculous how they're spending our money. You, you're telling me you just can't get a metal can? That costs $40, if that, it's got to be this, this, this 
mailbox, somebody's going to be putting their bills in there to be mailed, I guarantee it, every single month. And the cost of it, it's incredible. It's audacious. Well, as as I reported, and first of all, for people not familiar with the story, these um, new custom-designed trash cans, which are beautiful, they're eye-catching, I like the design, and they say downtown Binghamton on two sides, but on the other two sides, they don't say anything. They have sort of the stylized uh, city skyline that we have seen before down at the bottom. But on the, the side where you put stuff in, it doesn't say trash. It doesn't say anything. So, uh, again, when I went around downtown Binghamton yesterday afternoon and, and asked people a little bit about them, unprompted, they said, not everybody, a few people said, well, it looks like a mailbox to me. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're putting in new mailboxes or something. And I said, well, no, they do look similar as far as the color blue. It's I don't know if it's a, an exact match for U.S. Postal Service blue, but very close. And uh, yeah, I could see where someone who's not paying a whole lot of attention could wind up inadvertently putting their uh, mail. They're, hey, uh, we got some mail. I, I, I want to send my Christmas cards. I'm, I'm under the gun. Oh, there's a mailbox there. You dump 50 Christmas cards into uh, one of these new custom trash cans. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not saying it would happen. It won't happen with me because I know the difference. And certainly people who listen to WNBF or have seen the story on the website and seen the pictures, including a picture over at, at Court and Collier Street, where on, on the one section of the corner, there's a traditional blue mailbox. And then a few feet away, there's the new custom designed trash can. I could see where someone who's not paying close attention you know sometimes people are multitasking or whatever i could see where they mistakenly could dump mail into one of the new trash cans or even worse what if somebody starts to get confused and starts to dump trash into the mailboxes you know and bob i think it speaks to a a, a real larger problem especially with the price of these fancy garbage cans that we, we in this city, we cut youth program spending, yet somehow we can afford garbage cans that almost cost $800. Excuse me, but that doesn't add up right. You know, and I really think that Mayor Cram needs to come on your show to answer some of these questions that his constituents have about where our money is going and who's signing that piece of paper. Again, we, we cut. You spending in this city every year, it's not in the budget. Yet there's somehow money for this. Give me a break. That's ridiculous. We're throwing our children's future in the garbage. It's well, insane. As I mentioned when I started working on the story, I put a call into City Hall, and uh, Jared Cram and the Deputy Mayor Megan Hyman weren't in the office. And but they, I was told, well, they're coming back soon. And I was told uh, that they would have uh, one of them give me a call because I told them what it was about. And I also specified um, about the potential for confusion 
between the the new trash cans and mailboxes and I never heard back and then as I was getting ready to publish the story at WNBF.com I sent an email to Jared Graham and Megan Hyman at 3.20 p.m. and with a few questions because what I want in my stories is as much detail as possible. I mean, I, I can report and put together some information, but it's better to get official information from the fourth floor. And so one of the, the final question that I put in my email any plans to add the word trash or something similar to the units? A few people I spoke with seemed to think they were mailboxes, but apparently, um, well, I can't, I can't draw a conclusion why I haven't received a response, but who knows? Maybe they're, they're going to, um, today, have DPW crews uh, put on the nine new trash cans, maybe on both sides where the, the openings are, maybe on both sides in white or something or yellow, they'll um, paint trash. So I guess that would be maybe a step in the right direction. Well, it's a step in the right direction. 32% of this city lives below the poverty level. 30% of the children in this city live below the poverty line. $800 garbage cans. Give me a break. Well, appreciate your call. But, and as always, as you know, Patrick, you listen to the program, so you and, and the mayor know that this studio is always open to them. He's been here. He, he knows exactly where I am. And as I've pointed out, it's approximately three and a half minutes from City Hall. Thank you, Patrick, um, for talking about that. So if he wants to come in and you know, talk a bit. Again, I actually, I think they look great. I was, I was duly impressed by these uh, trash cans as far as brightening up downtown. So yesterday, on Thursday afternoon, a sunny Thursday afternoon here in the heart of the Parlor City, I, I thought the city was looking great. So I, I'm, not, I'm not asking about the design well yeah i have questions about the design one of the questions i asked was who who designed the downtown binghamton trash cans because i like them i want to i want to commend the people who came up with the design i just wanted to uh get more info so we could pass it on to city residents it's ten thirty eight wnbf more calls coming up bob joseph with you on a thursday morning three
it really Friday? Come on, man. Doesn't feel like Friday. It's more like Thursday. DJ from Binghamton, you're on the air. TGIF and blessed morning to everyone. That I can tell you, it is Friday. That I can tell you. You know, Bob, as I was cruising down Core Street yesterday in my praise mobile, I did notice some beautiful, bright flashes periodically from time to time. And those were the wonderful trash receptacles that are the same color of it. So please, everyone, stop trashing my trash receptacles. I think they're a great plus. They had they they niceness to downtown, just as you do, Bob. You're too kind. I know. But I try to be. Acts of kindness are, are how I live. I live by my acts of kindness. So what are you going to? What's up this weekend? Huh? It's Friday. What's happening? I'm like, the only thing I'll tell you about my weekend... And by the way, it's going to be a big, big weekend. I got stuff to do tomorrow, ha! and I'm looking forward to that. Ha! But I'm not talking about that on the air. What I can tell you is on Sunday, playoff baseball down at the uh, oh. ballpark. So oh. there you go. Oh, boy, oh, boy. So. Are you riding on the wonderful wave of our ponies? Our ponies are champions. They're going to be champions. They'll continue to be champions. I love it, man. I hope it's a nice day. It says intermittent clouds, but, you know, that also means partly sunny. So. Yeah, whatever. I don't care if it rains. I don't care if it snows. It's playoff baseball. And by That's the way, right. the, I, I think they should make the announcement now. The commissioner should announce that regardless of the weather, rain, sleet, snow, fog, mm. wind, even an earthquake, the game gets played. The game will not be delayed. That's, and, what I, that's what I would do if I was the commissioner. <laughs> Bob, our great manager, J.D., ought to give it to the first 500 people, Rumble Ponies Umbrellas, the big golf ones like you get for nineteen ninety nine at Walmart. Mm. So that way we can still enjoy the game with our Rumble Ponies Umbrellas and stay dry. Where is he going to get two thousand? Where, where is he going to get a spare two thousand dollars from? Ah, uh, somebody will donate it. Put the word out. Go on. Uh, do a GoFundMe. Why don't you donate Everybody. it? Why don't you donate two thousand dollars so they can give away five hundred big umbrellas? Yeah, you know, I can. That would be that would be an act of kindness. Yeah, truly. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yes, man. All right. That's going to be great. Hey, have a great weekend. You too. 1045 with Bob Joseph. <laughs> People are just too kind. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I see what they're doing there. Thank you, Jesse. So now Jesse says the Ready Kilowatt is going to install a smart meter. So if you've been enjoying electricity using a really dumb meter, wait till NYSEG stops by with their able assistant, Ready Kilowatt, to put in a smart meter. 
wonder, I don't know, if, if the NYSEG president would come on the program, I guess I would ask, do these smart meters mean we'll be paying less for our electricity going forward? I think that would be a good question. It's 1046 WNBF. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Paul from Owego, Bob. How are we doing today? Doing well, never better. I got a little deal where where uh, I've been going to a couple, three or four of the board meetings, and we're we're pretty much upside down when it comes to code and and the the fellow that sits on the board as a trustee. He can't tell the truth, that poor kid. So what, this is the town of Owego? Village of Owego. Oh, the village. Oh, you're you're talking about the village people. Yeah, the village people, the little one-horse town that we live in, down in Owego. The coolest, the coolest small town, they said. Yeah, they did say that at one time. Now it's... Now it's not so cool. It's a little bit, it's a little raunchy. We, um, he's got a building in a Wego that is so out, so far out of compliance. The, the thing's falling down. The roof has got a big hole in it and we can't get a fire inspector to inspect it. It's too bad. Is there a federal inspector that inspects, uh, out of compliance buildings? No. No, not to my knowledge. I, I think it's all always up to local governments. So if the local governments can't handle it, I don't know. I don't know what other option is available. Well, you know, when we were in school, they taught us about spontaneous combustion. And I did some, uh, I had a fellow with a drone when it was pouring rain out. And he's got, he had some good videos of, of, the water just rushing into this guy's building. And I'm afraid there's, there's so much debris inside the building. It's kind of a hoarder. And uh, the problems really exist when, if that stuff catches on fire, my daughter owns a building next door to it. And we, we can't get any action. Um, he's a, he's also the police commissioner in town in the village. But it's like I think I think it's right behind a police station, and and I, everybody's got their blinders on. We have a we have a, a an industry down here, small little village that can't you know can't mine their own store. Yeah, no, I I was driving around a week ago, um a few days ago. And checking some spots out around the village I hadn't seen in a while, and some of the stuff I saw was, uh, to be honest with you, very disappointing. I have stronger words, but I'm on the air, and I don't want to offend uh, our, our sensitive viewers. But some of the stuff I saw in parts of the village of Wego, of course, the village has some beautiful, beautiful spots, nice homes and some really nice buildings in the heart of downtown. But you don't have to stray too far from Main Street or Front Street or North Avenue to see um, some of the most um, disappointing uh, structures and other things in, in North America. 
It, it's deplorable, Bob. We we're we're really we have some investments from some outside corporations that are stuffing a lot of money into the village. It's pretty amazing. The these people are from um, big corporations that own buildings all over the world that have. have Planted and bought, and they 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 have under contract quite a few of the buildings, and they've been restoring them. And it, it's pretty, it, it's a real big asset to the community. And unfortunately, some of this um, just doesn't. It just kind of gets overlooked. It's time that you know some some kind of. It, it's I I just like to make it public record that. You know, somebody complained, and it didn't really matter. It been of several board meetings. They try to shut me up. It's kind of tough because well, that's that's kind of like local government elsewhere in Tioga and Broome counties. That's it's not true everywhere, but I I've heard so many stories about the antics, especially with some village and town boards here in the Binghamton and Owego area, and I'm I'm surprised that this sort of stuff is tolerated by residents. But I think one reason why it seems to be proliferating and becoming a greater problem is there are no reporters who ever go to these meetings. And, or if they do, they don't, they don't give an accurate representation of what's going on. But my guess is for village and town boards and even the city council here in Binghamton or the county legislature, I think things would be run a lot better and more in the public interest if reporters were at each of these meetings. But now I would say about 99% of the meetings, probably more than 99% of the government and school board meetings that take place around here are just not covered by any reporter. Well, we do have some reporters from the Courier, which is a local little newspaper. Yeah. So, uh, do they do they report? I haven't actually. I have to acknowledge I haven't seen the Courier in a while. So, do they do an accurate job of yeah, of reporting so what's going actually, on? Yeah, they do a fairly good job, Bob. I I have to admit, and and they're you know they're there at the meetings. But what what's what's happening? I pre- presented uh, some information to the mayor, and and they they're all just like uh, you know they're like a deer in, with the headlight kind of deal. They just don't really want to react. They they're they're it's pretty it's quite embarrassing actually. All right. Well, I'm gonna what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pick up a copy of the Courier, and I'm gonna start trying to uh, pay closer attention to the reporting they're doing. I commend them. And I, I, I do know that, say, with some of the uh, weekly newspapers in, in Broome and Tioga counties, they're trying to make up for the lack of uh, reporters otherwise from more traditional news organizations. So I, I commend them for the work that they're doing. And maybe, maybe if they continue to shine a a bright spotlight on some of the things going on. Maybe things could start to improve. I appreciate your call, Paul. I do think, I do think, yes, uh, and I want to acknowledge the weekly 
publications that they're trying. And but they also have very limited staffs. They don't make a lot of money. They're doing their best to hang in there and try to serve their communities. But still, what also I think is appropriate, but it's also not not going to happen, is that some of what's going on ought to be reported more widely beyond just the community newspapers. So, say, if people in the rest of Tioga and Broome counties knew what was going on at some of these board meetings, well, that could be useful, even if they're not living or working in that particular community. It's 1055. This is Bob Joseph on your side on WNBF. Maybe you can stop the corruption. This just in. A big indictment has just been announced. I know, you thought they can't have any more indictments. Well, the fact is they can have lots more indictments. There's no limit on the number of federal corruption indictments that uh, can occur. And according to the New York Times, Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey, the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, has been charged in a sweeping federal corruption indictment. That three-count indictment also charges the senator's wife and three New Jersey businessmen. It accuses him of using his official position in a wide range of corrupt schemes at home and abroad. Mr. Mendez, Menendez, Senator Menendez, a Democrat, sought to benefit the government of Egypt, including secretly providing it with sensitive U.S. government information, according to the indictment. And uh, in another scheme, they say he used his position to try to disrupt the investigation and prosecution of a businessman by the New Jersey Attorney General's office. Whoa, in exchange for all those actions, according to the indictment, the senator and his wife accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of bribes, including cash, gold bars, payments toward a home mortgage, a luxury vehicle, and other fabulous, valuable items. Okay, well, there you go. Indictment Central on a Friday. And remember... We've only just begun. Still several hours before 5 p.m. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Mostly sunny today, high near 73. Mostly cloudy tonight, low around 51. Saturday, mostly cloudy, chance of showers in the afternoon. Sunday, mostly cloudy with showers, high near 63. 
Some of downtown Binghamton's old, drab-looking trash receptacles are being replaced by blue custom-made cans that at first glance look similar to mailboxes. City Public Works crews have installed nine of the new units in recent days. The receptacles were purchased from the Secure Custom Trash Cans of Southern California. The company's website indicates each 36-gallon can cost about $767. The first reviews from some people walking and working downtown were positive, although several remarked that the new cans resemble mailboxes. While the new trash cans have been rolled out in a few Binghamton streets, there apparently are no plans to place any in the two city-owned parking garages. Trash receptacles were removed from those facilities in 2019. That was done in an attempt to deter the amount of trash they were collecting, according to a memo directed to parking garage employees. The New York State Attorney General's Office has sent a cease and desist letter to a group accused of confronting voters at their homes while claiming to be state election officials and falsely accusing people of committing voter fraud. The Thursday letter orders the group New York Citizens Adult Audit to immediately stop any voter intimidation and turn over records on training of and communications with its door-to-door canvassers. New York Citizens Audit Executive Director Marley Hornick did not immediately return an email seeking comment. She has previously said the group has acted within the bounds of the law. A charter bus carrying high school students to a band camp careened off a New York highway and tumbled down an embankment on Thursday, killing two adults and seriously injuring several others. Governor Kathy Hoko said a front tire failure could have contributed to the early afternoon accident on Interstate 84, about 45 miles northwest of New York City. Five of the 44 passengers on board were critically injured, according to the state police. Dick's Sporting Goods is preparing for what might be called the Vesto Parkway Shuffle, just weeks after the company opened a massive store in Johnson City. The company, which was founded in Binghamton 75 years ago, closed a location it had at Town Square Mall in Vestal on August 8th. That store had operated at the site for more than three decades. The Vestal unit was shut down in the eve of the opening of the House of Sports Store at Oakdale Commons in Johnson City. Shortly after that, the company's warehouse sale store in the Parkway Plaza in Vestal closed its doors. A Town Square Mall leasing representative told WNBF News that Dick's Sporting Goods still had a few years remaining on its lease in that shopping complex. Company officials would not discuss what their plans were for the space, but workers have continued to be busy at the site in recent weeks, leading to speculation that another retail operation would be opening soon. The Dick's Sporting Goods website now features a grand opening banner for the Town Square Mall location. An online entry indicates it will be a warehouse sale unit that is scheduled to open next Wednesday. Police say the owners of a New York City daycare center where a toddler died and three others were sickened by opioid exposure last week were hiding bags of fentanyl concealed by plywood and tile flooring. Photos shared by investigators show bags full of powder a few steps away from a shelf of children's toys. Police have arrested the daycare center's operator and a tenant who lived in the apartment, saying they operated a drug ring. Authorities are searching for a third suspect who was married to the daycare center's operator.
And about a half million people are regaining Medicaid coverage after the federal government says they were dropped inappropriately by states. Officials at the Federal Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services say the issue affected people in 29 states and the District of Columbia. All states are undertaking a massive review of Medicaid eligibility after they were prohibited from ending coverage for people during the coronavirus pandemic. Federal rules require states to assess whether each individual in a household is eligible because children have higher eligibility thresholds than adults. But federal, federal officials say computer systems in some states evaluated entire households, not individuals. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. From the Gulf Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. purpose excuse i i sang your birthday card i i no i sent it from the mailbox here on court street about a week and a half ago i never got my birthday card Hmm, i wonder what could have happened man 607-772-1290 with bob joseph serving humanity Let's go to Owego. Jesse, what's going on? Bob, are you sure that you're not a pitcher for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies? Because once again, you threw me another knuckleball. What is the definition of natural intelligence? Look it up in the dictionary. You'll see a picture of me. I don't think Webster's alive anymore to redefine it, but it's definitely not natural. Supernatural. Supernatural intelligence. It's the opposite of artificial intelligence, which is what they're going to use to replace me here at the station when I leave. Oh, I got you. Oh, wait a minute. That's two letters, isn't it? (laughs) Last I heard. No, two letters. I lost them in the, the trash can. I thought it was a mailbox, and I put my two letters in the trash can instead of the mailbox. I still think that a great idea, and I only heard this is rumor. I'm not sure. Taylor Garbage got purchased by another company. Maybe not, but I think that every dumpster, every recycling bin should look like a strawberry. I think that would be the smallest and coolest thing on the planet. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you this. The... um Certainly the stunning news that Taylor Garbage and Vestal was sold to a conglomerate based in Vermont. That was certainly good news for people who are hoping their trash hauling prices will stay low. 
Well, I guess that's good for Vermont, but yeah, it's not. I I don't know where it would be good for people in Tioga or Broome counties. My guess is, and it's just a guess because there's no way to know what their plan is. My guess is that the giant company will want to charge more for the service compared to the family-owned local company. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. And you also just seen the smart meter thing that I just got in the mail. Oh, I saw that. That's another thing. I want to get the uh, president of NYSEG on the horn and ask the president of the utility with the introduction of smart meters. Does that mean everybody who gets a smart meter will be getting 20% off on their electric bill? Uh, no. The only thing that it really means is that we're just going to get dumbed down more. And it says, learn more about smart meters at NYSEG.com slash installation. Well, did you yeah. look at did you look it up? What did it say about about how much you'll pay? Will you thanks to the smart meter, will you save some money because of its intelligence? It means bendeth thy overeth and graveth thy ankle. That's all I can tell you. Well, so what you seem to be suggesting is the cost of electricity is going to go up. That's yeah, what you, that's that's what I seem to be gleaning from your difficult to follow response. So basically, you're telling me that when they hook up a smart meter at the uh, at the Joseph Palace, that I should not expect <laughs> that I should not yeah. as, expect to save money. If anything, I should expect to be paying more money to have a meter that it's just oozing with intelligence. I do agree with you right there. Well, you just said two things that we have in common. You have a palace and I have a mansion. Well, there you go. But I would say let's go back in time and let's build a fireplace. <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> maybe they'll, maybe with the extra money that they'll make, maybe they'll put Ready Kilowatt back up on, on their buildings. You know that that would that, that yeah well that would at least be I think a a thoughtful concession at least if we're going to pay more money monthly for our you know and I I'll say this about NYSEG, and I I know sometimes people think I might not be a fan but I will say their electricity is some of the juiciest electricity that I've ever had the pleasure of using so I don't know what they're doing I don't know if they have added a few more neutrons up there at Nine Mile Two, or exactly what they're doing, but it's extra juicy power, and I, for one, love it. I think it's going to be very interesting, and let's hope that they are ready once we get all this electric stuff going on here, cars and everything. Ooh. Sure. Oh, well. Sure, everybody okay. with electric cars, we're going to need... That's probably why they're putting in the smart meters, because... As soon as everybody has an electric car, then at that point, we won't have any choice. We, we won't have our gasoline and diesel-fueled vehicles. At that point, they could charge more money because we, we will need their juicy power to uh, be able to get to work or go off on vacation. Out to, the, out to Alex Bay. Hey, do me a favor. Stick back in the rack. That music sounds good, but that first song, you made it sound like it's the end of the world. I don't know what it is about that song, but it's like, here we go. Breaking news on Big to Now. We're about <laughs> to be in trouble. Yeah, well, 
There is something going to happen this weekend, but all I can say is stay tuned. Stay close to your radio. Everything always happens on the weekend, so you have a great weekend and enjoy, and I'll catch up with you on Manic Monday. Thank you, Jesse. And that is the report from Owego, making contemporary news. 607-772-1290. Would you like to file a live report here on the station? Well, call in. Call in. Let me know what you see or what you've heard. And then I'll go out this afternoon and pose a few questions. This is WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Friday morning, this is Bob Joseph live today, mostly sunny 72, tonight cloudy 50, tomorrow mostly cloudy with a chance of showers 63. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 57. at WNBF. Let's see what else is uh, happening. Oh, we have a really fun and well, positive story. Everybody says, well, Bob, how come all the news seems to be bad these days? Well, actually, a lot of the news is bad. I admit. I admit. I concede. Much of what actually is news is bad because news, by definition, is something that is the exception as opposed to the rule. So some stories will be bad, but some stories are actually good. We have uh, an interesting uh, story about a Binghamton neighborhood, something that's happening that I think is um, very encouraging. And we will have that story for you coming up soon at WNBF.com. Check out WNBF.com. I know you might think, well, how could we afford to run that 24-7? Don't we have to shut it down, say at midnight, so we could save money? No, we actually don't shut it down at midnight. It's there for you. It's even there for you on weekends. So if you want some weekend news, local stories, and also an assortment of other features, I've noticed, WNBF.com is a good place to check. It is a good place to check. And we'll have uh, some very interesting stories coming out this afternoon that you're not going to see elsewhere. Oh, well, you might see them in the future elsewhere, but you'll see them first this afternoon at WNBF.com because I've been working on a couple of things. So unless there's breaking news, and then I'll have to <laughs> put them off on the back burner. If there's no breaking news. We have a, a really, 
really, um, I think it's definitely a positive story. A couple of guys here in Binghamton and what they're up to. It's 1124 at WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Martin from Binghamton. Hey, Martin. What's up? Hey, good morning. Uh, I don't know if you saw um, the tweet by Mary Trump yesterday. Very scathing against uh, Uncle Donnie. Uh, in essence, saying that he's getting very nervous that Coke just last week raised $70 million with much more coming. And he, he can't imagine his anxiety. And right now with all the uh, negative news and much more coming and that your childish name calling only goes so far. You're, you're jealous that he only, that he has 24 times more uh, wealth than you and your pattern of name calling and grievance is wearing thin and people are, um, getting uh, used to your um, ways and that you're going to have a real competitor in Mr. Coke. Yeah, thank you for calling that to my attention. I did not see it, but I'm looking at it now, and it's interesting because she posted not just um, a picture. Now, what is her relationship to uh, to the, the former guy? Who is she? She's a niece. Mary, Mary L. Trump is the former guy's Mary. niece? Oh God, yeah. And so her uncle. So so Mary L. Trump has to go through life saying, "Yeah, my uncle is the former guy." Oh yes, and you know, going back to all oh, the Christmases and everything else. Oh yeah, you got to look into that, Bob. I mean, she knows this guy, and not only that, she's a psychologist and a social worker, and she's got this guy down. You know, she knows him, and she knows his ways, and um, like she says. Um, He's really squirming right now, and plus, you know, the main about being jealous about the money that he that Coke has twenty four or twenty five times that amount. But he able to, he was able to raise seventy million just last week in his first week coming out, and so he's he's going to be a real player. Um, well, that's interesting. Coming. Yeah, I uh, I'm looking at that now, and what you didn't mention, she also posted the. The pictures of Charles Koch and uh, also a, actually not a bad looking photo of the former guy. I mean, as photos go, that's, I mean, the only thing I would say about the picture of the former guy that she included with her tweet is it has uh, an odd looking red and white cap. But other than that, it's actually a, a it's, it's a, a pretty good it's. I think it's fairly flattering compared to some of the pictures I've seen of the former guy. So she, she obviously, even though she's um, sending a message to her uncle, she's not trying to go low. I mean, if she wanted to go low, she could actually. The picture she chose of Charles Koch is not quite as flattering because it, it catches him sort of in, in the middle of a sentence or something. I mean, it's not a bad picture, but but the one next to it of her uncle, you know, it's not a bad picture. If only he wasn't wearing that cap, the red and white cap with some sort of statement on it. Yeah, but her words are scathing. Oh, I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's nice, you know, but hey, my... What I will tell you, Martin from Binghamton, I bet that Mary, if she truly is his niece, she probably does know him better. She probably knows more about him 
than we do. And I'm not saying that. It's nice, you know, saying um, things like uh, that he's getting nervous that the other guy has already raised more than $7 million to run against 70, you. $70 million. Yes, million. that's a lot of millions already. And, yeah. and, and then she says there's more coming. And, you know, this seems kind of somewhat mean-spirited, but she might be nailing it right on the head. She said, I can only imagine how off the charts your anxiety is, especially since you know there is so much more trouble coming your way. And yeah, she wrote, like she wrote, even more transparent than your anxiety is your jealousy. Yes, and I like her statement about your pattern of name-calling mm. and grievances is wearing thin. And we've all seen that in the name-calling and on and on and belittling people. Oh, and she, she called him, uh, he called um, Coke uh, very stupid. <laughs> well, and then what, what she included in a follow-up tweet, and I'm, I'm only going to quote this. I, I'm reluctant to do it, but just so, so people understand where Mary L. Trump is coming from after her initial tweet, one of the other things she wrote, and I'm going to quote it verbatim, so please forgive me, but this is what Mary L. Trump wrote on Twitter on Thursday, quote, the Koch brothers, like Charles and the late David, are among the most vile, dangerous, disgusting, and horrible influences in modern American politics. How screwed up do you have to be to be jealous of one of them? End quote. So again, that's not me saying that. That's what Mary L. Trump wrote about the Koch brothers. Yeah, true. I, I, I caught that. I was just turning off my phone last night, and I happened to catch that, and then it's like, well, you know, so that balances that out. Yeah. You know? Well, it's sad. It's sad that it's come to this. I, I am always disappointed when, when you know, people don't get along. I, I wish Marielle Trump was getting along with her uncle. I wish she could say something nice about the Koch brothers. Uh, well, she wrote a book about him. This has been going on for a while. If you have some time, just delve into it. But I follow her, and she's uh, she's very smart. She's got a uh, a lot of followers, and this uh, this will get interesting. So yeah. anyway, well, what do you think? Do you think we should invite her to come on the program? Oh, if you could. Well, it's not, there's no law. There's no law that precludes me. Yeah, you know. I mean, her uncle was on the program. Yes, I mean, Donald yes. Trump has been on this program. So, if if he would come on the program, it seems to me that Mary L. Trump would come on. Maybe that would be a premier grab, Bob. That would be a must-listen uh, 1290 uh, segment. We could call it a global exclusive. And, it, and well, it, it, it does. It does have its ramifications with that. <laughs> That's but, true. Uh, anyway, thanks a lot. Have a All nice right. weekend. Let's hope the Rumble Ponies can pull it out. I think they can. I, I predict a win Sunday night down at the ballpark. Hi, it's Bob Joseph. Yes, I'm here. By the way, the weekend starts in 28 minutes. You'll hear complete coverage here on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the convenient WNBF app.
It's the Ra Ra Runaway. Up at Greater Binghamton Airport. Uh, yeah, uh, this Captain Joseph. Can I can I have clearance to take this piece down on Runaway 34? No, you don't have permission to land. I'm coming in there on Runaway 34. Permission to land denied. That's why I can't be a pilot anymore. Darn! Darn! FAA has all these silly rules. Vinny and Binghamton, you're on. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, I wanted to answer. You had a caller a couple calls ago who uh, I think he said he ran for office. He was talking about um, ACPRA, Akshar. Sheriff Akshar, and he was talking about Paul Batisti and stuff like that. I would, I would seriously invite him to go on to the WMBF.com or do the, um, you know, or download the app and listen to the show from 919 of this year. It was just Tuesday. Listen to that show. Listen to the entirety right near the end, especially when Linda Jackson gets on and she talks. Because this, this, it, what you heard it in the news, but it, there was more to it, a lot more to it. And then you can hear um, the sheriff answer in. And I, I voiced my concerns before, but, you know, you've, you've got to remember, this is the person. After you hear it, I want you to think of these questions. Is this the person that's going to go into our local elementary schools, talk to second graders and third graders, and the teacher introduces you and tells you who you are, and um, he'd like to talk to you kids today? He gets in there, and he starts talking about caring for one another, doing what's right, respecting one another. And after you hear this call and his answer to it, you wonder where all that is. And is this guy talking the truth? You see, you represent more than the sheriff's office. You represent a ton of stuff. Law and order. The police force. And let's, let, let, let me just say this, Bob, and this is coming from a, a parent who has a son in law enforcement. And I remember when he went and I said, I got to tell you something. I said, you know, you're only such and such an age, but you can remember in our country, law enforcement doesn't really have that great of a past. When you have that much power, it can be easily, easily abused and you don't even know it. So that was my point. And when you're going to say this about a mayor of a local city, without even knowing what's going on. I don't care if, if you told them or you didn't tell them. It doesn't matter. This must be persistent. It must be, especially from someone who's leading our Broome County Sheriff. 197, 200,000 people in this county. And that was my point. So I, I, I really suggest hard that that person who called before, if you're still listening, get on. Go back, listen to that show on 919, right near, I think, Deb, let's see, Linda, she got on about between 10 and 1030, and then he answered maybe an hour later. Just listen to that. Or, that's, or the that's quickest way, the quickest way, yeah. you punch in the names of the two people, your last mm -hmm. name, and then WNBF on Google, and it's the first thing that pops up because we did a story, and... As part of the story, 
at WNBF.com. Down at the bottom, there's a little thing. And I'll show you how simple this is. I just punched this up. And see, it says, uh -huh. listen with excerpts of the interviews with the Endicott mayor, Linda Jackson, and the Broome County Sheriff, Fred Akshar, on September 19th. And listen how simple it is. The Sheriff's Department special response team is a great temporary support to Al. Okay, so that was the start of the mayor's segment. And I also, uh -huh. just in fairness, uh, because we talked with the mayor about some other things, too, it, it's not everything she said on the program, right. but it, I think it's about everything she said about um, the the crime initiative and the sheriff's office. Then, um, about nine minutes into it, we have the sheriff. She comes on your show and, and speaks to your, your listeners. So this initiative, the targeted crime response... Wait, hold on, let me rack it back. Because that's not the beginning. Hold on. ...of uh, that being... Wait, this is... This is where it transitions. Just a second. You really should coordinate with the with the local police. And I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure that going forward that's going to happen. I, I have very good confidence in uh, us working together on this. Dendicott Mayor Linda Jackson, thank you for being with us on this Tuesday morning. Thanks so much, Bob. For joining now live by Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar. So about a week ago, you announced the results of a targeted crime response in Endicott. There have been a lot of uh, gun and drug-related incidents in the village this year. I wanted to get you on the program today to respond to what Mayor Linda Jackson told us last hour. She said that the initiative by the Sheriff's Office was not, um, was not communicated to the Endicott police before it started. Well, if I ever thought that Mayor Jackson lived under a rock, I think this is a perfect example of, of uh, that being uh, evidence that, in fact, she does. Uh, my relationship with uh, Chief Gary has never been stronger. Uh, Chief Gary and I communicate on a, on a regular basis. Um, and as a matter of fact, some of the initiative, uh, initiatives that we um, conducted over the, the period of 30 days was in, in conjunction and concert with the Endicott Police Department, as I said during my interview with uh, WBNG. So uh, I'm not sure where she uh, has arrived at that, 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 um, that suggestion or that statement, but um, you know, I would suggest uh, to the mayor that, that she um, maybe brush up on her facts before uh, she comes on your show and, and speaks to your, your listeners. And that's just part of it, but that, that shows you, again, uh, Mayor Jackson had other things to say during our Tuesday interview, but I included uh, about seven and a half minutes where she focused on the questions regarding the Sheriff's Office initiative, and then uh, there's, I think, about nine minutes or so of our conversation with Sheriff Akshar, so people can uh, listen for themselves to the whole thing. The easy, yes, you can go to our... A podcast section on the website wnbf.com or um, the other thing on the website if you just click on my name and, and page down you'll see the story that we we did and then you can listen to those segments it, it, it is because a lot of times when we're listening to this program i mean i like it but sometimes I, I i miss it and i'm like oh geez i wonder what everybody's talking about today and i'll go back and i'll listen to it just like I do, I'm doing it right now. But um, like I said, that caller, go back, listen to that program, because you you ran for politics and you know politics. I mean, you know, you, you know, how can I say it? 
what happens is once uh, you go through the system, you're, the system has to expose you to certain things. And you know the relationship between law enforcement and the attorney general's office. You got to be very careful. And, like, you know, I, I've already spoken on who, I, who I'm basically going to vote for, but I just wanted you to hear that part. Well, I appreciate that part. Yeah, I appreciate your call. Okay. 1142 at WNBF. Our number is 607-772-1290. WNBF is here for all. I consider it a community resource. And so whether it's for the 193,000 people in Broome County or the 8 billion people on this beautiful planet, everybody has equal access when they call the Bob Light at 607-772-1290. A moment, please, to uh, bring you a message sponsored by National Floor Center. National Floor Center, 46 South Washington Street in Binghamton. You may pass it on a regular basis, maybe every day, going to and from work or wherever because they're conveniently located at the corner of the Vestal Parkway and South Washington Street, or some call it Route 434. It's right there, National Floor Center. Take a look if you're stopped at the traffic signal at the intersection of the Parkway and South Wash. There it is. Beautiful showroom, and they are there for you. The next time you have a flooring project, pop in, talk to their experts, let them know what you have in mind, whether it involves carpeting or hardwood, tile, vinyl. The staff will listen carefully and then help you choose appropriately. And then they can also help you through the design process, line up expert installation. Their installers didn't just start in the last couple of weeks. They have installers who've been doing this for a long time, and they can help make your vision a reality. National Floor Center. It's locally owned. It's locally operated. And their beautiful showroom is a nice, tranquil place. You can make some of those important choices. National Floor Center. 46 South Washington Street in Binghamton. More information online at nationalfloorcenter.com. It's 11.44. This is Friday morning, the final Friday of summer 2023. I'm Bob Joseph at WNBF. Apply. going to be ending early tomorrow morning. Sorry to report. Yeah, last summer. Eh, boy. And then it'll be uh, autumn and then snow time and then sometime 
a long, long, long time from now, it'll be spring again. A long time. It'll seem like an eternity. So, And by the way, hate to break the news to you, uh, no more baseball in Binghamton this summer. That's right. Tuesday's game was the last Rumble Ponies game for the summer. And then Sunday night, we can enjoy baseball in the fall. I'll call it the fall classic. <laughs> Rumble Ponies will be hosting the Erie Seawolves. Mm -hmm. First pitch at 5.35 p.m. And I think it'll be fun. I don't I don't remember ever. In fact, I know. I've never seen baseball in Binghamton in the autumn. So I'll call it a fall classic. Well, I, I better not because it's probably trademarked by someone. I'll just call it a big game. There. Get myself off the hook. You better not call it the fall classic. Did you get permission from the commissioner? No, I didn't. All right. I'll just call it a, a game. A game, but a fun game, and 5.35 p.m., the first pitch as the Rumble Ponies open the Eastern League Championship Series at Morabito Stadium against the Erie Sea Wolves. So, Ponies versus the Wolves. The Animal Kingdom in all its glory on display at the ballpark this Sunday. If, for whatever reason, you're unable to make it there, you certainly will be able to hear it. On News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And by all means, try to make it there. If you're like some people, you could actually listen to it on the radio at the ballpark. Some people do, so. That was a big win last night. They were playing in a place called Bridgewater. I was talking with somebody, actually, a few weeks ago who works at Bridgewater. But I don't think... I don't think he was working at that Bridgewater. But Bridgewater, New Jersey, that was the scene last night as uh, Rumble Ponies had the big win sweeping the Somerset Patriots in the Northeast Division Series. So... Binghamton advanced to the Eastern League Championship Series for the first time since 2014. And uh, I posted more pictures last night on Twitter of some of the great photographs, great memories. Hard to believe it's been nine years since the uh, Binghamton Mets won that big game. I think it was September 12, 2014. But uh, that was a, another close game, too. So, it was against the squirrels, flying squirrels. The Rumble Ponies beat the flying squirrels, I believe. It was 2-1 to one in the final game. I'm looking at the, the scoreboard from the stadium, which was had a different name back in 2014. But on the scoreboard, there's the big picture of the B-Mets players celebrating. And right under the... Happy players, it says, 2014 Eastern League champions. And it's interesting, that game 
That game was filled with some tension. First of all, it was scoreless till the bottom of the fourth, so the B-Mets got on the board first with one run in the fourth inning. Then those wily squirrels from Richmond scored a run in the top of the eighth, so we went into the bottom of the ninth inning with it tied up with all the potential for going into extra innings. But fortunately, um, Binghamton Mets scored in the bottom of the ninth, and they secured the Eastern League Championship nine years ago. So we'll see what happens. Um, Just nice, in my opinion, it's just nice to see um, this kind of baseball and fun People with their uh, rumble towels. I don't know what they're called. Rowdy towels, rumble towels. I got one the other night, Tuesday night. I'll, I'll be sure to bring my little red and white rumble towel. It, this thing, it says, let's get rowdy. So I'll have that <laughs> at the game on Sunday night. If you see somebody waving one of those towels that says, let's get rowdy, that's me. It's 11.53 here at WNBF and WNBF.com. Oh, we mentioned a little bit ago um, about the latest indictment. I know people are shocked, (laughs) shocked by the ongoing corruption. But, yes, Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey has been indicted on federal bribery charges. Gold bars and stacks of cash and corruption. So... And yes, he's a Democrat to boot. So that ought to that ought to give some people something to talk about. It's eleven fifty four. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? It's Nick. I'm from the east side of Bampton. I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. Yeah, I didn't catch your first name. Nick. Okay. And what's on uh, your mind? Yeah, just talking about baseball and stuff like that. Me and my wife were up in Rochester just the other day and we're at a restaurant called Delmonico's and there was a picture of Ron Luciano up there from, you know, famous umpire from Endicott. It was, you know, talking about baseball and stuff. He's a big baseball person. Yeah. Yeah, Ron Luciano, what a colorful character. And he... uh... Wasn't he something? Yeah, he was something. I mean, it shows him like, it actually it's like a cartoon character of him goes on doing the old fancy year out, you know, kind of move they used to use. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was it was funny that when he would get into it with some of the uh, more colorful managers, uh, the, the antics, you know, was yeah. it, 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 it sometimes it felt orchestrated or choreographed almost like professional wrestling, but it wasn't. And so you, you would see. Ronald Michael Luciano with his theatrics, and then you'd see some of the uh, more colorful and and more animated managers go through it, and I just thought it was was funny. Um, now, to be sure, that sort of thing I don't think would play in this day and age. I don't think Ron Luciano and his uh, his style would go over very well with the way Major League Baseball operates these days, but in his day, I thought, I thought he was, uh, he was just right. Oh, yeah. yeah it, was, it was fun to watch back in the day, that's for sure. 
Yeah. Well, that's all I wanted to say, Bob. It's nice, nice talking to you. Nice show okay. you got going. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'd, there's uh, hey, another Endicott native, Ron Luciano. Just uh, what a what a great umpire. I'm not saying he was the best at umpiring. There were better umpires, and that was documented. And and to be sure. And he admitted, I can't remember how many books he wrote, but he certainly admitted that he was far from perfect. He certainly made acknowledgments about not being necessarily the most fantastic umpire who ever lived. And and to be sure, you know, he, hey, he's like everybody I know. He was fallible. He was imperfect like each of us. Looking up on uh, Wikipedia, just, uh, there's a long Wikipedia entry about Ron Luciano. He was known for a long-running feud with Orioles manager Earl Weaver, whose career closely paralleled Luciano's. The two men first met in Double A during a series in Reading, Pennsylvania. And Weaver was managing for the Elmira Pioneers. Luciano ejected Weaver from all four games with the last ejection coming during the pregame lineup exchange. After an argument with Ron Luciano during a triple-A game, Weaver literally stole second base, taking it to his dugout and refusing to give it back. In the majors, Ron Luciano once ejected Earl Weaver from both games of a doubleheader. The second ejection came once again before any pitches had been thrown. Luciano said the problem with Earl is that he holds a grudge. Other managers, if they disagree with a call, may holler and shout, but you can still go out for a beer with them after the game. Not Earl. He never forgets. Heck, even... He even holds your minor league record against you. Once a couple of years ago, I made a controversial call at the plate... Earl charged out of the dugout, screaming that was the same call I had blown at Elmira in 66. And Ron Luciano said that sort of thing gets to you. <laughs> Luciano ejected Earl Weaver so often that Orioles players reportedly placed bets on the inning in which their skipper would be removed. Jim Palmer wrote that Weaver protested any game Luciano umped. The friction became so intense that for an entire year, Luciano was transferred whenever his umpiring crew was scheduled to work an Orioles series. In the third inning of Luciano's first Orioles game a year later, it was in Chicago at Comiskey Park, he ejected Weaver, who in turn publicly questioned Luciano's integrity and received a three-game suspension. Eventually, each admitted a grudging respect for the other, Earl Weaver said Ron Luciano was, quote, one of the few umpires people have paid their way into the park to see. Regarding Weaver, Luciano wrote, it's impossible for me not to admire him, but it's pretty hard for me to like him. Yes, the one and only Ron Luciano, along with the one and only Earl Weaver. And, oh, sadly, we're out of time or else I'd talk a little bit about the one and only Billy Martin, who moved to Broome County. 
That's all the time we have for the program for this week. My thanks to everyone. Sorry to report when we rejoin you on Monday, summer will be gone and autumn will be underway. But still, we'll make the best of it. Enjoy your weekend. I'm Bob Joseph. It's noon at 